We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, 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 everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. About, about, about. What's going on, world? You are tuned in to episode 24 of Brunch Culture. As always, I'm your boy, Randall Keith, and I'm joined by my co-host, Miss Lisa Victoria. What's up, world? All right, y'all, and today we have a very, very special guest with, with us today, she is incredibly smart, talented, and quite hilarious, if I might say, Miss Mika Mathis Esquire. Hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> All right, so y'all know how we like to do. We start off with our weekend review. Lisa, kick us off with the first topic for this week. Uh, this week, we had another tragic school shooting. Um, a FS- FSU alumni um, shot up the Florida State Library. Um, this past week, and um, what the most tragic thing, nobody died except the shooter, um, Mr. Myron May, but the tragic thing to me was he was actually a, um, a accomplished individual. Um, none of his friends said he, they would have suspected anything from, from this um, 31-year-old um, black educated individual. Um, they said he was the nicest guy, um, but he he had been seeing a, a, his therapist and um, to get his medication adjusted, and he um, they think that they think that potentially the medication actually caused him to suffer from paranoia. Mm. Um, so because he he told them in Texas that he was seeing things, and when the police came, it was nothing but a tree, and he said it was a person trying to shoot him. Um, he abruptly quit his job in Texas, where they said that he was phenomenal at his job. Um, they said he showed no signs of mental illness at work. He abruptly quit and moved to Florida, said he was going to study for the Florida Bar and potentially open up his own practice. And it was just, the whole thing is bizarre. Nobody knows why he's why he did it. He did send a message, a Facebook message, to some of his friends asking for their address, and he sent them packages. Um, that was supposed to arrive yesterday to them. So the media hasn't released what was actually in the packages that he sent, but they did say that the packages were didn't have any life-threatening things in there, so it may have been like a personal note or something. So it just adds to the fact that really we need to, you know, be a little bit more sensitive to the fact that, especially in the African-American community, because mental illness is quite taboo. Um, right. We just need to be aware because just because a person is educated and seemingly sociable doesn't necessarily mean they don't suffer with mental illness and aren't just able to talk about it with with others. Exactly. You think about just you think about throughout that time you you would anticipate or expect somebody to that was close to him, particularly even his girlfriend, to have even escalated the situation and say, hey, you know, this guy he needs help. Um, this is not normal behavior. When you start to see this kind of behavior that's completely out of character, you would think someone would have escalated 
to the point of saying we have to help him, but you know, it was just so unfortunate because because it's something that we don't talk about often in our community. We don't accept things like this, which was I'm pretty sure it was a shock to everybody um, that like seeing him, it was a shock to all of us. Like, oh, we didn't think it would be this guy that would do it, and particularly looking at his resume, his credentials. But of course, it just goes to say, hey, you know, mental illness. It knows no name. It doesn't care about uh, color or where you're from, it can attack everybody, and it's just it's completely unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. and I thought it was so, even more interesting that um, on his Facebook page, every day he posted a scripture and talked yeah. about him praying, and um, I just thought it was crazy because, you know, most people think prayer is the solution, but sometimes prayer coupled with medicine is, is necessary. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if he, he thought he was on a suicide mission. Um, when he, if, if the packages that he sent to his friends held personal items from him, if they were non-threatening, just held personal items from him, something that he wanted to dedicate to them, that is a sign of suicide. Um, people who are suicidal tend to give away personal items to people that they think will have some kind of meaning. In addition to that, if he was isolating himself from others, that is another sign of depression that can lead to suicide as well. If he was proactively seeking medication and he was telling his doctor about the visions that he was having from this med- from being on his medication, there's there seems to be some kind of a lack of uh, effort on his doctor's behalf. If he's telling him that he's having these um, these visions or these um, he's seeing these things around the house, guns being pointed at him. However. If he had these issues prior to the medication, his dosage may have not been enough. He may have been suffering from, I don't know, symptoms like schizophrenia. Stress can 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 trigger that um, that condition in people that is already inside of them. Stress can bring it out of them. The the sad part is that he, like you said, he was an accomplished of uh, individual who decided that there was no alternative to his to his torture to end his torture, but to to go on some kind of mission that I'm sure he knew that in the back of his mind he might not have made it, he he might not make it back from, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely good insight. And just on on other news this week, this week was filled with a lot of events. I think these two events were the most explosive. Uh, Bill Cosby has been under, some would say under attack. Some would would say that, you know, this is just uh, the dark, the things that are done done in the dark coming to the light. But Bill Cosby has uh, come out that he, allegations of him raping and sexually assaulting women um, some 40 years ago, uh, there was a woman named uh, Joan Tarshish. I apologize, I got her name wrong. She's a journalist and a publicist. She says that in 1969, um, in Los Angeles, she met Bill Cosby, and she would be around him on the set of The Cosby Show. And during that time, she was sexually assaulted by Bill Cosby. Uh, There's also a couple other women that came out and said said the same thing, that they were uh, raped or sexually assaulted in some way by Bill Cosby. Um, another notable name that has come out, and actually during an interview, professed that she was raped, she was drugged, and then raped by Bill Cosby was supermodel Janice Dickinson. Um, she's known as the, first, the very first supermodel, and she has come out and said that she was raped and sexually assaulted by 
Bill Cosby as well. And so this has caused a big uproar on social media. You have a lot of people that are that are in love with the Cosby show, people that support Bill Cosby that are saying that, you know, this is not true. Uh, it can't be true. If it were true, these women wouldn't wait some 40 years to release this. Um, and you have other people that are saying that, you know, rape is rape, no matter who it is, who this guy is, no matter how much power he has or how beloved he is amongst the country, uh, it's possible that he could have done it. And unfortunately, Bill Cosby hasn't said anything. I take the position of saying that it's probably best at this point that he doesn't say anything because no matter what he said, it's probably just going to add fuel to the fire. Um, so what do you guys think about that? Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, Mika. Okay. I'm a womanist, and but I have a, a few problems with the story. But, you know, to think about rape back in the day, you have to realize that um, when a woman was raped back in the day, it was hard for her to report it because the victim was ultimately made to look like the criminal. And so a lot of times when women were raped in the um, early, you know, mid-20th century, early 20th century, you know, they were made to look like the criminal instead of the victim, like it was somehow their fault. You know, um, I, I heard about the Miss um, Dickerson um, article, and my thing is that she probably didn't report it because, one, you know, that she would have probably made it look like the criminal. You know, why are you in his room? Why are you taking this pill, that kind of thing? Um However, I know that rape is rape. I've heard stories of some of these women taking money from him. And, you know, you have to question what are your motives at this time. If you have moved past it, if you're not going to press charges, what, uh, well, you can't, I don't even think you can press charges. I think time has elapsed. I'm not sure. But uh, what is your motive right now? Are you trying to make a quick buck? What is it? Rape is rape. He sound, if he committed those rapes, rapes what, about 14 women, I think, he, he sounds like a serial rapist to me. That 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 is something that he has to own up to, and he he's probably quiet right now. Whether or not he did it or not, he's probably quiet right now because he doesn't want to stir up the pot. Right, right. Lisa? I agree. I agree. I think, you know, I don't know. It's too many people. Like, you know, one or two maybe, but it's just too many people. And some of these people sound very convincing. I mean, I yeah. know people lie, but 14, 15 women? I'm like, I don't know about that one. Yeah, and it's just it's, it's one of those things that as a guy, I think, you know, I toy the line of speaking on it at all because I realize that, you know, I'm not a woman. And so I don't know there even men that have been victims of any type of sexual assault. It's completely different for women, I think, um, definitely like Mika said, particularly then. And even now, women are uh, demonized for being raped, uh, for being sexually assaulted, for speaking about it, particularly when it's from a male that has power, that has influence. I can just only imagine, you know, what that looked like for them. The thing that questioned me, and it kind of it shocked me, and no offense to anybody, but when Janice Dickinson said it, I'm completely ignorant to any type of relationship that they had, but I know Janice Dickinson to be a very big personality, somebody that's very uh, vocal. And so in my mind, I was like, well, would she not have said this before? Because it's Janice Dickinson. Like, she is a powerhouse in her own right. She is the voice of, you know, a lot of models and a lot of women. Uh, so I, in just my mind, I assume that she would have, prior to all of these other women coming out and it being like this huge, big ordeal, I would have just imagined that she would have said something before, but, you know, I could be wrong. Mm 
Rape yeah. is such an intimate, an intimate crime. If, if I can yeah. even say that, it's such an intimate crime to a woman. You know, um, her space, her womb has been invaded. You know, um, with 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 her, sure she has a big personality about some of everything. You can talk to her about anything. She'll say it out of her mouth, whatever comes to her mind. But I'm sure in 1969 she wasn't that woman just yet. She she was much much younger, and the idea of you know, turning in someone who is on his status or up and coming, you know, it really, it may have been part of the cause or the reason why. And society's view of rape as well may have been the reason why she didn't say anything. She probably didn't want to, want to blot out her career as well to damage her career. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Good point. Definitely makes sense. So we want to move into our main topic today in light of the Aaliyah biopic, horrible biopic that was released on, on Lifetime. A lot of people seen the movie. This was, it was actually the highest, uh, the second highest most watched uh, TV bio, bio, biopic of the year of the, the Aaliyah film. It was uh, executive produced by Wendy Williams. And a lot of people watched it. A lot of people had comments about the acting, comments about uh, just it being rushed, comments about Aaliyah's actual music not being used, comments about the family not being in support of the movie. But one of the biggest comments that people had had to do in particular with the fact that none of the characters that played Aaliyah, Missy Elliott, Timberland, R. Kelly, none of those characters looked like the people in real life. And it wasn't so much from the standpoint of stature and physique, but mainly skin complexion. Uh, we'll tweet out a couple of the pictures that well, people did comparison, but the guy that played Timberland looked next to white. Uh, the girl that played Missy Elliott, she, Missy Elliott has never looked anything remotely close to that. In the film, they literally just gave her big hoop earrings, a funky hairstyle, and she kind of talked slick and said some stuff and was the rapper or the inspiration for Aaliyah and you didn't. You looked at these characters, and you didn't see their real life counterparts at all. So it's caused this discussion about the idea of colorism. And today, colorism impacts social media from the standpoint of team light skin, team dark skin. Those hashtags are used on Twitter and Instagram all the time. Uh, light skin girls be like, light skin dudes be like. These, this thing has become such a huge, to some people, such a huge deal, um, and it's something that another cultural norm. I was watching a video and where Viola Davis spoke about herself, people saying that she's less classically beautiful, and um, also commenting on just this idea that she doesn't have access to certain roles because she is of a darker complexion. She um and also just people that from within our community that are telling her, you know, you should go for the supporting role and not the leading role because you wouldn't get that because you are not that girl. The leading role is for a more fair-skinned uh, woman and actress. And it, some people, you have some people that think that it is actually a thing. I have a female friend that is brighter skin and she's never experienced it. And she has another friend that is darker skin, and she would always tell me that, when her friend would complain about it, she always thought that it was something in her mind. She never thought that it was an issue, and it never came up until the statement of her hearing someone said, saying that her friend was 
pretty for a dark-skinned girl. And she was like, at that moment, she realized that was her ideology. That's how she felt about it. She would always tell herself that, that oh, my dark-skinned friend is pretty for a dark-skinned girl. And she never made the connection until then. So we want to have that discussion. We want to talk about that, it's particularly in terms of the young professional community. It's something that I think, you know, we all have, we, we view it as preferences. Uh, I know I was at the park one time and I met one of my, my friends, homeboys, and we was just talking and, uh, a dark skinned girl came by and he was like, I ain't trying to holler at her cause she dark skinned. I don't deal with dark skinned chicks. Um, and you know, it was one of those things that for me, I'm a bit of an activist in, in, in all the time. So I'm like, uh, bruh, that ain't the right thing to say. Like, uh. but so we want, we want to have that discussion. So how do you feel about it? Mika, I'll kick it off to you. How do you feel about that? Oh, you just made me angry with your friend. Oh, I wish you were on the line with us now, because I give you a word or two about dark skin. I'm about to let them know. It'll, it'll mess you up. You can be feeling for more. I'm for real. Oh, my. <laughs> no, you know, essentially the whole idea of team dark skin, team light skin, um, it's been around since, since forever and ever and ever. Um, I even... I remember hearing adult things, oh, she's pretty for a dark-skinned girl. And for me growing up, I've always, I've known, I've, I've seen color. Because, you know, as a black woman, yeah, you understand, you understand that as a black person, you should see the different colors of our, of our, you know, ethnicity as a black American. And so growing up, my my mom would never say that she was a black woman. She would always say, I'm pecan tan. Of course, she would check African-American or black on the consensus, but she was like, oh, I'm pecan tan. You know, you don't ever call her a black woman. My dad is a light-skinned man. He's, like, he's red, um, light brown eyes and everything, and I'm this brown skin. So when I was little, I went to an all-black school, but I recognized the fact that I'm brown skin. I'm a darker brown than my mother and my father. And for a minute, it did bother me because I asked, why am I darker than you and daddy? My mom had no answer. But, you know, growing up, um, I never really had an issue being called a dark-skinned girl because I'm brown skin. You know, uh, as 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 I grew up more and more, I did realize that the light-skinned, fair-skinned girls no matter how unattractive they were, were seen on a pedestal. And so, you know, you, it was like if you were light-skinned, you had this certain type of hair, you know, you were seen as this beautiful goddess kind of thing. And in reality, you could be ugly as thin, but as long as you're light-skinned and you have this hair, you are you are put on a pedestal. So this whole idea of team dark skin and light skin is nothing new. However, I would like to say but I'm, I, I, if it's used in a positive way, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's time for dark-skinned women to stand up and say, yeah, team dark skin," because we are beautiful. Um, I, re- I remember watching, oh, gosh, I'm, going to, I'm so sad to admit this, T- 2 chains. his video, 2 chains. Uh, if the feds are watching. You know, I, <laughs> I want to be fresh if the feds are watching. I love that video. <laughs> I do, okay. Because I was oh, looking at all the chocolate sisters up in, and there was one girl with the shade on. She was on a couch, and she was just fierce, and she was dark-skinned. I, I applauded him for that video because I'm so sick of seeing these, you know, I don't know what kind of race this person is on TV, and they're these 
you know, epitome of what beauty is. No, the epitome of beauty is a woman that it, it, it has, has her stuff together. You know, she's confident in herself. And I, I tend to value education because you can be light-skinned or dark-skinned. If you don't have an education, I really think that you have really let down yourself and society. Um, right. But back to this team, dark-skinned and light-skinned, I equivalate that to – oh, is that a word? I'm just joking. But I, I really do – I do <laughs> – I'm trying to be good Malcolm X on you right now. No, but um, I do I do put it on the same height as when um, Black Power came out. You know, people were very, very offensive. Thought that was a very offensive statement. Black Power. They took it as, oh my gosh, this this these black people are very rate outrageous and they're very uh you know they're going to be violent now because they're saying Black Power at the exclusion of everybody else. But in reality, it wasn't saying Black Power at the exclusion of everybody else because everybody in the, in the civil rights movement was not black. You know, it was saying to empower us to have our own businesses in our neighborhoods that, that give back to our communities, black power. You know, um, I believe in Hispanic power. I believe in Asian power. I believe in white power. I believe in all of those things that empower us to accept our differences, but to also give back to each other as well. I love the phrase black is beautiful. Black comes in different shades. You know, um, I think a lot of times we don't appreciate the darker complexion sisters. And sometimes I'll be honest with you. I was like, Darn, where's the category for the brown skin sisters? You know what I'm saying? Why you got to be dark or, or light? But it doesn't even matter because in the end, black is black. And it's the, the, Aaliyah, the Aaliyah movie really really shows that, one, Lifetime needs to leave the bioptics to uh, VH1. VH1 did an excellent job with TLC. Excellent, excellent job with TLC. Excellent job. Lifetime needs to go sit down and take notes. Secondly, Wendy Williams, if you are the diva that you think you are, you know, that you say you are the, the this, this this woman that knows everything about everybody, then you should know that half these characters that were cast were horrible. Horrible. You know, black Twitter went ham on it. You know what I'm saying? So, in the end, they did a disservice to Aaliyah, and I can't wait till the family goes to VH1, and VH1 respects the family enough to let them have their input about her movie. And I think that was a problem that Lifetime had, because I guarantee you, half of that stuff that went on in that movie, you know, that horrible... Oh, I heard the writing was horrible. I didn't see it all, but I saw some of the I saw bits and pieces. I just I saw the reviews. I thought it was a waste of, a waste of time. But yeah. with, as far as the um, casting goes, they should have did a better job at that because don't be afraid to put a dark skinned sister or brother on TV. You know, that's all. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> I said a mouthful. I don't, I can keep going now. I beg it. I can keep going <laughs> because. <laughs> Lisa, did you want to jump in? Um, you know, I I agree with with Amika. I think that, you know, that is a, a excellent point of view. I never thought about it like that. Like empowering people. If, you know, taking the team dark skin and team light skin beef and using it for empowerment, saying I'm proud to be a darker skinned person. Um, I'm team caramel caramel. Oh boy. <laughs> well, no. So that, you you brought, actually brought up an interesting point, Mika, and I, I kind of want to touch on that as well because you know I think anything that we have, if we, if it's used from an empowerment standpoint, it's a great thing. But I think I, one question I want to pose to you is because it's not from a dark skin point 
point of view, I'm pretty sure a, a lot of women that, or a lot of people in general, guys as well, that tweet out team light skin, it's from the standpoint of empowering themselves. Uh, for for so long, we are taught and just kind of it's inherit, inherently given to us that being of darker complexion is a bad thing. My mom's a light-skinned woman, so as a kid, I would always say, when I get married, my wife is going to be, my, my my wife's going to be light-skinned. She's going to be red. Like, that was just, I, when I looked at my mom, my mom was my picture of beauty. And I'm like, yo, that's that's what beauty is. It honestly wasn't until I got into late high school, but really college when I was able to understand that, wait a minute, hold on, I have a color complex. And even making statements like, I don't want to go outside because I don't want to get dark. I'm trying to stay in the shade. I'm dark enough. <laughs> those things, yeah, we use those things all the time, and I don't think we really think about it in depth, but those things are self-hatred. You know, we're hating ourselves. We're telling ourselves that because I'm darker, I don't want to get any darker because then I'll be ugly. I don't want to get any darker because then it's a problem. And so I say all that to say when you see or if you hear a a, a light-skinned woman say team light skin, it's all about team light skin, would you be offended or would you be able to say that, you know, this is her empowering herself taking into a perspective and account that a lighter skin, fair skin woman is the standard of beauty in our society. Do you think that that's the problem? Let me just say that I've heard that before, before the team light skin, dark skin came out that a light skin woman proclaiming her beauty because she is light skin, even though she looked like a horse. I was just like, okay, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta put yourself up to need to. But <laughs> I think that if I were to be out or with someone and this girl is just all about team light skin and, and light skin this and light skin that, I would think she has within herself some insecurities. Um, because I, you, you got to realize I'm I'm over that 25 age limit age group. So when I when I see a woman that proclaims and boosts herself up and, and at the expense of others, I think that she's lacking in herself. And you know, I think that <laughs> I know that. I know that in, the media makes it seem like um, lighter is so much better. and But in reality, let's look at reality of it all. When you come across a man in general and he is attracted to a woman, a lot of times it's not just about her skin color. It's something about that woman that that just caught his eye. Because I, I've met a man who dated just straight-up light-skinned women, but his wife is, is a dark-skinned, I mean, like midnight woman. And he loves her to death, and he would never compare her to um, any other shade because his wife is beautiful. He doesn't say she's beautiful for a dark skin for a dark skin girl or a lady. He says that his wife is beautiful, which she really is beautiful, you know. Um, but other than that, I just I, I would I would hate for this whole idea of team dark skin light skin get out of hand and become so ratchet that it becomes an in, 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 uh, intro race kind of issue. Right. Yeah. I I honestly, and, and, you know, I think from seeing it, particularly from seeing it on social media, uh, just doing research uh, for the topic and making sure that, you know, I was even, I'm up to date with more things that are going on. As I'm looking through, if you just do search hashtag team light skin, particularly team light skin, I don't know, and it's just, I, I haven't done research on it, 
but it appears that a lot of the comments on Twitter that I saw from Team Lightskin came from a perspective of uh, being a little better than, a little more different. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. particularly from women, and it, it, and again, it's, it's guys and girls that are tweeting these things out, so I'm not saying that, you know, all light-skinned women are, are like this, but I'm just saying in terms of what I saw on, on social media, the team dark-skinned things from guys were kind of like, you know, light-skinned dudes squint their eyes when they take pictures and stuff like that, kind of, you know, more funny, comical things. But when I'm looking at the things about women – it was this one guy that tweeted, um, you know, I'm, I, he, it, the, the hashtag was like Team Light Skin, but he's like, that be on deck. And it's like all light skin girls. And he's just like, you know, Team Light Skin, that's the way I roll. And so I'm looking at it, and I'm like, ah, man, like, I think this is really a whole different, a bigger issue and a bigger thing amongst our generation, amongst the younger generation, amongst, the, I'll say, the social media age generation. And per, perhaps it, I, it definitely was an issue for our parents, but I think it's, it's just like everything else, it becomes more apparent because we have social media, and so everybody has a platform to express how they feel. And I think now that we're able to see that, it's important for us to have conversations to understand what could we possibly do to move this forward and to to get people to understand that, you know, for the standpoint of empowerment, because we haven't seen, you know, black women take leading roles so often. I I know for myself, that's why I am so glued to how to get away with murder, because I think that Shonda Ron has done a great job with making, supporting a show that will put a darker skinned woman a quote-unquote less classically beautiful, she takes off the wig and shows that she has natural hair. She takes off the makeup and shows that, you know, I I am not, I don't have this perfect image all the time. This is truly me. But and she just didn't do it for one episode. She's done it for uh, multiple episodes and mm-hmm. saying that this is still beauty. She's able to occupy the space of at home just being natural and not being everyone's cup of tea. And she's also able to get dressed up and put on makeup and, you know, put on a a wig and go in front of you and run this show, run this classroom, run this courtroom like you've never seen it done before, so much so that you don't think about what the image of beauty is. You're just amazed at her brain. You're amazed at how, you know, how powerful she is and how she's able to play with words. So I think, you know, for me, I want to stop you there because I, she frightened. She frightened me when she first picked off the makeup. Oh, <laughs> I was just thinking, like, I said, Shonda, why you did it, girl? Why did you pull the wig? You even told me her hair before the scene. I'm sorry. I was just like, baby, them silly plaids are terrible. Who who braided your who braided your forehead? I, I was mad. I, we don't let nobody see that. We don't let anybody see what's on that wig. I'm having a moment. I'm with you, I'm with you I'm having an empowerment moment, and you black women say, no, wait a minute, hold on. Because we, we're looking at her hair. We, you know, you can have a natural baby all day long, but don't let it look like that. <laughs> you got your husband speaking on you. He, you going to bed looking like mom labeling. I don't think so. You be light skin or dark skin with that mess on. I don't. I do <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you, I was I was frightened. I was just like, oh man! And then the eyelashes—it was too much. 
she took us <laughs> from one extreme to another in a few moments, and I wasn't prepared. They put a disclaimer at the bottom. No. <laughs> Uh, it's like showing. It was like showing a white woman with all her sunburn marks and stuff like that. You know, it was like, oh my God, where's her makeup? I mean, when she took off her makeup, I was just like, dang. <laughs> did it have any natural looking makeup for your eyes and stuff? I just they did. I was. I was she I was don't go to bed like that. She do not. I don't think she. You looks guys like have that. you guys have successfully torn down this. <laughs> This was a powerful moment for TV, for black women. And I just said, Shonda, you, you should have did something different. <laughs> can, I, can I just say this right here? There are plenty of beautiful dark-skinned women. I think that what some people have problem with is that walk that she has in um uh in the in the in the series. That walk that looked like I've, I got a board in my back. You know, I, I Carrie Carrie Washington is not the most light-skinned woman ever. Not at all. But she rocking, she rocking Washington D.C. and got all these other men of other races going crazy for a black woman. And you know what's so funny? They don't worry about other races. Don't worry about whether a woman is dark, a black woman is dark skin or light skin. If they, if they can get a black woman, nine times out of ten, she is a brown skin or a dark skin woman, and they don't worry about complexion or colorism. I think yeah. that a lot of times men worry about it because of that empowerment. Um, the empowerment feeling of, oh, I have some stature now because I have this light-skinned woman. You know, her being light-skinned has nothing to do with paying the bills, baby. Her being able to teach your children something, um, to have something in her brain to, 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 to add to your household. You know, light-skinned, dark-skinned, you know, brothers kill me with that, especially you educated brothers sometimes. Y'all, that whole, your friend, I wish she was still on this phone, I'm still mad at him. You know, that whole idea. <laughs> Because I'm sure her weave was, when Sister Girl walked by her weave was on point. I know it was on fleek, but the kids say it was on fleek. She probably would have paid $200 for that hair, and he want to act up. I will say, and I, you guys know me, I, I don't like to speak for every, I think that it's impossible to speak for every for every male. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely think that it's one of those things, particularly coming from my upbringing, that, you know, that's what I saw. That was a picture of beauty. Like I said, my mom's light skin, my grandmother's light skin, my aunt's light skin. I was very close to my aunt. So for me, that's what, those were the women that I thought was be- were beautiful. And so for me, right. it was just kind of one of those things that, I was kind of raised into it. And I think just now, you know, you think about as, as a kid, we look up to athletes, we look up to celebrities, and what we see is a light-skinned woman on their arms or a brighter-skinned, exotic-looking woman on their mm-hmm. arms. And so, Except for Dwayne Wade. I'm sorry. Except for Dwayne Wade up in there, I'm sorry. <laughs> and LeBron. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, but I'm but you're right for what you use to see. Mm-hmm. Right, but that's that's what we usually see. So that becomes, you know, that's what we want to attain. We want to have the things that we see the people that we look up to have, and unfortunately, that that includes like th- this image of a woman. And then that is a whole different conversation that we can ha- we can say for another show about the idea of the darker skinned woman being the angry black woman. And so this concept. Oh, yeah, my best friend's uh, uh, brother we kind of had this uh, discussion about him just saying, like, you know, he wants a a, a light-skinned woman, a Hispanic girl, because she's less confrontation, confrontational in so many words. And that's a whole different conversation that we can have. But, you know, there's so many things that go into it. So I think it's in defense of the men, 
you know, it's not something that I think we all try to do in a malicious way, but it's a culmination of a bunch of things that kind of lead us to this standpoint of this more fair-skinned woman is the way to go. So, you know, I'm I'm always trying to trying to mm-hmm. stand up for my brothers. Trying to stand up for my brothers. So, a lot of the brothers suffer from the Willie Lynch syndrome, you know, and he he that letter that he wrote years 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 decades decades ago you know it still exists today if you if you implement this idea of separating them from the darker skins from the lighter skins you know you will always have them enslaved and unfortunately you know kids don't look up to teachers or or physicists or you know astronauts <laughs> you know i'm talking about our black kids they're looking up to these athletes and these rappers and then and unfortunately you have these ignorant people like little wayne and all he talks about is red bones you know um he put them on a pedestal he makes little slick uh, comments about dark-skinned women and for me he's the epitome of what an ignorant person an ignorant black man is um, seriously, he is. I, and without his money, he would definitely be looking. Oh God! I mean, I, I, oof, oh God. he would have a question for anything. He he would be looking for whatever he could get. So you know, but you know, you have his counterpart Drake, who dates you know light skin, dark skin, don't matter to him. You have young men like you know Common and my baby. He he loves him a chocolate woman. You know, he loves him a chocolate woman. It, it, you know, I think that brothers have a, a Willie Lynch syndrome when they when they get into this status quo thing or they get into this idea of lighter is better because in actuality it's just skin. What is she on the inside? You know, because she could be light skin and hollow, or she could be dark skin and hollow. You know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's about who you are on the inside. And I think that's that's very true. And I think this has been definitely a a eventful conversation for our topic. <laughs> Uh, colorism. We appreciate your input, uh, Mika, and you had me and Randall rolling. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. I hope, look, I hope I did sound smart or something, you know. And just to let everybody know, I am a very attractive brown skin slash dark skin woman. No comp, no color complex here. All my girlfriends are red, brown skin, dark skin. No matter to me. We're all beautiful. <laughs> amen. Amen. We're gonna move to our. Random topic. So this week's random topic is a woman is jailed after her husband came to serve her divorce papers and brought his new girlfriend along with him. (laughs) She is facing $30,000 a month. Um, Yeah, she drugged this lady. You know, my thing is... I don't understand why women jump the girl and not the man. I'm always he's the one who did it. Let's not <laughs> let's hop on him. The the woman, I mean, she shouldn't have been there. I don't I wouldn't have went to serve papers. I, I just don't understand. I think she should have jumped her husband because that was a disrespectful move on his part. If he wanted to gloat and serve, I mean, giving somebody divorce papers is already an emotional thing anyway. <laughs> but then to bring somebody along with you that's going to be the next, and we not even fully, our ties haven't even been fully severed, like we're still married, and you just bring in somebody and like, oh, this, this, you know, depending on how he did it. This my Sometimes people can be really nasty. <laughs> Look, I think you got to, I think we have to give the man 
you know, respect the man and give him his props. He was honest about it. You know what I'm saying? He he didn't say, like, I want to divorce you. Nah, it's nobody else. It's you, it's me. He brought her there to, to prove to his, his, new, his new girlfriend that, hey, you know, I'm getting a divorce, but I'm committed to you, and then let his wife know, you know, it ain't work out. I'm sorry. He just took two birds with one song. Yeah, I'm, I think, I think the, the man was trying, I honestly think that this dude was trying to, he was trying to be an honest man. And, you know, there's all this talk about dudes not being honest and playing games. This man was clearly, you know, trying to be honest and she done beat his girlfriend up. <laughs> um, Well, let me put it this way, okay? First of all, he was being nasty. Because when you serve divorce papers, you have the right to have it served by a person like um, a, court, a, a server. You can, you can hire a server. You can put it in the mail. You can put it in, a certi- in certified mail. You do not, nine times out of ten, the person filing for divorce does not walk up and hand you divorce papers. They most, most, most times, to be honest with you, they will have a server serve you or you will have it mailed to you or your job or something, you know, your last known address. So he was being nasty. He was being nasty and brought this girl over. <laughs> and I'm with you, Lisa. Why did she beat his behind first? But I think he already caught a couple of behind whooping and probably was bitter. So he brought somebody up for a witness just in case she dumped on him one more time. So but this time she surprised him. She bypassed him and beat the witness up, you know? So I want to know whether she was sitting in the car. Was she out the car, sitting in the car? Was she in the driveway? Was she in front of your house? What, how did you get to the They didn't walk to your house. Did you pull her out the car? I mean, how did you get to her? Did she say something to you? Did she go to the trunk and you just went for her? I mean, I want to know. We need to work on our witness protection laws. Clearly, they're not working. This, this she was a witness. You said it right, Mika. She was a witness. She wanted to make sure that it was done right, and now she got to be hospitalized because she ain't had nothing to do with this. You know what I'm saying? She's just trying to be supportive. It's, oh, oh no, she knew. Girlfriend. <laughs> Hey, I bet she won't go to nobody else's house when they serve the voice paper. She's like, I learned my lesson the first time. No. Mm-mm. It's safe to say, Mika, that you was the homegirl that the wife called and was like, look, girl, you got to get me out of jail. I tore her up. <laughs> you know? My first question is, listen, don't call me on the jail phone and admit anything. Shut up and just tell me how much the bill is. Okay, I'll be down there, baby. Okay. She's long first. You told her to get off your property. You told her to stop harassing you, and she would not leave your property. You felt threatened, and you had to go pull her out the car. <laughs> we made the best case possible. Best case possible. I've been I've been telling y'all the whole time. Homegirls ain't no joke, dudes. You have to be mindful of your woman's homegirls. Look, Mika is telling y'all the homegirl is ride or die. She support him. She support the wife beating your girlfriend up, man. Homegirls ain't no joke. You you just got to be careful about homegirls. And make so make sure your ex wife don't have homegirls who are lawyers, who are doctors, psychiatrists, social workers, work for beat. Work for the Department of Children and Families because they will case you up. They will really, you know, I always tell somebody, I don't have to come get you physically. I can mess you up financially and with your name. I can do anything I want to you. I would not come for you physically. But you keep messing with me, you're going to find the IRS at your door. 
You gonna find you gonna find that you you somehow you are mentally incapable of performing your job, and you might have those people in the white suits from the from the CDC coming to get you. <laughs> that's what's called messing with an angry. We talk about black women team team dark skin. That's what educated team dark skin right there. And I'm angry. Team educated and dark skin. That's right. Educated team dark. <laughs> Well, yeah. I hope y'all enjoy episode 24 of Brunch Culture. We want to leave you with our quote of the week. This week's quote is critical thinking, the other national deficit. And we all know that yes. our country needs critical thinking desperately. But we yes. thank you for tuning in. Make sure to catch all of our other episodes at brunchculturebc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Brunch Culture or Instagram at Brunch underscore culture. And remember, at Brunch Culture, everything is up for discussion.